everybody. Welcome back to Hello Thursday podcast. I am very, very, very excited that this is my sixth episode. Fifth episode. I don't know why I said it like that. Is it my sixth episode? Sixth episode? Why can't I say this word? Yeah, it's the the sixth, sixth, sixth episode. This, this is going to be all the time in the podcast. I'm just going to spend it... Um, Trying to figure out how to say sixth, sixth, sixth. Oh my god, it's so annoying. The sixth episode, the sixth, sixth episode. Oh my goodness, sixth. We're gonna end this now. Google, tell me how to say sixth, the sixth, the sixth, sixth episode. I'm gonna say sixth. Let me see. How do you pronounce it? Sixth, sixth, sixth. <laughs> The sixth, the sixth episode of this podcast. Yes, finally. Um, but I hope all of you are having a really good Thursday. I had a very, very productive week, it feels like. I got a lot of work done on Monday and Tuesday, and I got a little bit done yesterday as well. Um I only do have classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like today, I actually have to run to class after I film this, um, after I record this episode. But uh, yeah, I still have some homework to do. This is really boring. (laughs) No one wants to hear about my homework. But I'm just giving you guys the the rundown. It's been a pretty busy week for me, and I'm going to be completely transparent. I completely forgot I had to forget, I had to film this episode. It just kind of went over my head. It it slipped out of my mind that I had to record a podcast episode today, which just goes to show how much of a hot mess I am. But I am recording it today, and it is going up today. So that's really good, and at least I'm recording it early and not at school or at 11.30 p.m. on a Thursday like the last episode. Now, the half episode was kind of a, this was an extremely busy week, and I didn't plan ahead, my mistake. So this episode is being recorded like 30 minutes before I'm actually supposed to post it. And um, the reason why I put the half episode up, and I kind of explained in it, but one of my New Year's resolutions. I know I spoke about that I'm not going to make any New Year's resolutions, but I'll just say a goal. One of my goals was to definitely post a podcast episode every single Thursday. And I do not want this Thursday to be an exception. I am motivated. I'm geared up. I'm going to post an episode every single week. Some of them are going to be better than others, more prepared, more thought out. And that's totally fine. It's good to have some variety. Nobody's perfect. Everyone's a little flawed, a little different. You know what? Everyone makes mistakes. Quoting Hannah Montana there. But yeah, I just want this episode to be real and to be authentic. Because authenticity is something that I've kind of struggled with. Not that I'm someone who's fake, but more so because I'm someone who is very guarded. I'm, I'm someone who's very, um, 
I don't know how to say this, not sheltered, but I tend to conceal my emotions a lot. I try to, um, not my emotions, but my feelings. I try to build a wall around myself like this this netted wall I'll say because you can probably still see onto the other side but I build this netted wall around myself most of the time um because I feel like it makes me feel protected but all it does is um separate me from someone else and I I don't know that that makes a lot of sense but sometimes I can come across as disingenuine because I am subconsciously working so hard to keep people out, not in like a negative aspect, more like I am working so hard to keep my feelings and my emotions protected that I don't even show any part of me. Like I don't show the good stuff. I don't show the ugly. I like to to play nice basically. Not that I am playing Miss Perfect and I am, you know, pretending to be somebody I'm not. I'm just not showing people who I really am. I'm not living, showing them my maximum potential and when I'm what I'm essentially truly capable of. Because in the past, I have had problems where people have gotten really close to me and they've gotten to know, you know, some deep, dark, juicy secrets about me, and I have been hurt by a lot of friends, and so I, I guess that's why I kind of keep myself at a distance from people sometimes, and why I don't really um, share much, and one of the um, things about a, pod- a podcast is that you kind of have to share. That's how you connect with an audience. You know, you're vulnerable with them, you're real with them, and slowly but surely it may, it may not seem that way but i'm i'm trying to be as vulnerable and as real right here right now in this recording i'm kind of more vulnerable i think here than i am in real life because no offense but i don't have to see any of your faces you know i'm not looking at you in the eye and getting nervous because i might reveal something like the other day, for example, um, nobody really knows I have this podcast except my boyfriend. And I told him that I would keep it a secret until episode five, but I wasn't very happy with episode five. So I wasn't just going to go, hey world, <laughs> look at these four podcast episodes I have and this number five hot mess of an episode so I guess I'm waiting until episode six, not too short. It's so weird. I'm just not comfortable. It's, uh, I guess it's just because I put so much of myself into this podcast to kind of share it with strangers, easy, no problem. But to share it with people that are close to me, that makes me really um hesitant and it makes me nervous. And yeah, I I guess I'm really guarded in that sense. And that's kind of what I was talking about. Um, But my boyfriend, Chris, and I, I, this is is just to show you how being so guarded can be a really bad thing. Um, We were helping uh, my boyfriend's sister paint her new apartment. 
and all of a sudden we were talking about read um we were talking about like um what um what's it called jesus not retail realtors we were talking about realtors and all that stuff and just something really really random and having nothing to do with the podcast and my boyfriend goes hey do you know that leslie has a podcast and i shoot him this death glare is the best way i can kind of describe it um i just shoot him this look of like how dare you and i got so upset and so mad because i told him that i really didn't want to tell anybody about it and it's something that was very special to me and something that was very mine and um, my boyfriend and i are just very different in the way we handle like our projects and our art he's he's someone who's really open he's very open he's like oh hey i'm working on this i'm trying this out you know but i'm someone who just likes to keep things to myself maybe because i am really scared of rejection that is one of my problems but um what was i saying (laughs) um essentially I'm someone who keeps things to myself. When I was little and I would write my little novels and I would work on my secret projects and do all of these things, I would always keep it to myself. And that may be because um, whenever I showed it to someone, I always felt really vulnerable and felt really scared. It's like I had a raw nerve or something. Um, It's just, it's really hard for me to open up and... It's so hard for me to open up that I kind of just, I build this disguise, <laughs> this um, alternate Leslie, if you will, and um, it's, it's not that I, what am I saying? <laughs> wow, completely lost my train of thought. It's not that I don't want to open up. It's just that it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to be myself. And I do put on this kind of alternate Leslie, this this fake Leslie, if you will. But I kind of do it subconsciously. Like, it's so hard for me to actually open up to people and be not honest because I'm not really, like... I don't know, would you consider it lying if you're just keeping things to yourself? I don't think so, but then someone might consider it lying. I, I'm i not sure, but um, I essentially live another reality. When I'm someplace where I'm uncomfortable or I don't want to open up to someone, I play digestible um, cookie-cutter Leslie, safe Leslie, you know, I won't tell anyone about my podcast. I'll just be the type of girl who's like, oh, I'm really nice and I love school and I'm a really good student and I did laundry the other day and I'll be very superficial because the superficiality is what's easy, you know? It's much harder to talk about your, I don't know, your childhood trauma than that time when you, I don't know, 
had a crush on a boy or something or these new earrings that you want to pick out. It's it's so, so hard to open up to people about that. And it's really good to do so. You know, I'm not telling you to tell everybody your life story. But, um, you know, it's it's good to be open. That's how you build close relationships with people. And if um, the other person really doesn't initiate, initiate it, then it's kind of your job to at some point. Uh, I feel like, I don't know if this is true, but this is kind of my um, development. I, I did a lot of acting in high school and it was, it's it's been my favorite thing I've ever done. It's the best thing there is, I think. Um, I loved working so hard and it was a, like a competitive theater environment. I was a thespian. So we did do competition theater. So all of our hard work would be reflected through applause that we would get in our shows or um, a score that we would get at competition. And it was so rewarding and so cool. But the thing about acting is, is that you get to play another person. And... um. I feel like I was a really good liar as a kid, like a really good liar. And that's kind of how acting started. I would tell people the weirdest things. So I am a very hairy girl. <laughs> um, I'm Cuban. I just have, I don't know, I'm just a hairy girl. I have those those Spaniard genes in me. I don't I don't really know how to describe it, but I have hairy arms. And some people might not consider that the prettiest or the most feminine thing. And it's not something you see all the time everywhere you go. So it does kind of look a little weird. And when I was a little girl, I hated it because I didn't know any other girl in my grade, in my class, in my school that had hairy arms like I did. And I felt gross and I felt icky and I hated it and I hated it. And then one day these two little girls who were much younger than I was. I think I was in like fourth grade and they might have been in like second or first. They were asking me, oh my goodness, why are your arms so hairy? Like, that's so weird. And me, being <laughs> being the avid storyteller that I am, I said, well, my arms are really hairy because we're getting really close to Halloween and I'm actually a werewolf. So I'm getting progressively hairier and hairier as time goes on. And I asked them, you know, if you keep on talking to me, I'll go to your house and I'll come visit you <laughs> in full werewolf form throughout the night. And that is, my God, I can't believe I said that to them. So weird. Um, but that's, I guess that's a good way to, they were probably just curious, but they were like, why are you, why do you have hairy arms? And I was like, it's because I'm a werewolf and I'll follow you home if you don't leave me alone. <laughs> that's, that's such a strange thing to say to a couple of seven year olds, but that's something I said, which just goes to show you how much I liked lying as a little kid. I would always say these really weird white lies about myself, which, which I'm sure everyone has when they were a kid. I would tell them I was a werewolf. I would tell them that, like, uh, I don't even know that, um, mm, I don't remember now, but I, I would just say really, 
really strange things and kind of want to be this mysterious, elusive person that I wasn't. And mind you, I would only tell these things to strangers, uh, not to my friends or anything like that, who obviously knew the truth. They they obviously knew I wasn't a werewolf. But um, but yeah, I, I just tell a lot of little white lies. And it just, oh, it, in my apartment complex, there was this um, this um, this stairwell that was just very dark. The light would flicker. It looked creepy as heck any time of day. It was absolutely awful. The light never got repaired in the years that I lived there. It was just always weird. And I remember these kids were um, hanging out in the playground. And I was like, oh my goodness, little kids, mind you. I don't know why I, w- why I was this person. And if you're if you're the person I said these things to, I'm sorry if I gave you nightmares, but I just, I loved creepy things and I still do in thrillers. Um, so I was like, oh, do you know that the stairwell on the left side is haunted? And a girl died there like 20 years ago and her ghost is still there. That's why it's so creepy and dark and why the, the light doesn't work. And some people believe that if you go to the the top floor, you can hear her. And I would say such such weird things. And that was more of like a, I'm not saying this to frighten you, more of like a to entertain you type of thing. I never saw a ghost in that stairwell, but sorry that was really loud but I did see stuff in that building it was just weird I even wrote like um wrote and directed a movie all around that stairwell called who killed Cynthia and it was just it was it was really interesting (laughs) that I got inspired off of that it was actually pretty cool I don't know how old I was I think I was around like 12 or 13 I believe I was 13 and I filmed it on my flip video camera the one that you would flip out the usb so you could connect it to your laptop oh my goodness i thought i was the next big filmmaker i honestly did when i got that camera i was like oh my goodness this is the coolest thing in the world and i would watch a lot of youtube videos so i would vlog with my flip camera and make music videos with my best friend so i just had a hoot and i was so obsessed with that stairwell for some reason probably because it was interesting and it was as close to like something creepy or um mysterious that I had ever gotten to like the closest to something seemingly paranormal that I had ever gotten to so I was just like you know (laughs) absorbing it and reeling it in and making the most out of it but um yeah, that was that was my history with lying. I was a really good liar, and I think that just naturally happened in um, in acting. It was a good transition to acting. I was just not. I always did practice acting on my spare time. Like I would re- re-recite lines that I would see on TV and on movies, which is kind of weird. But I was always a really imaginative kid, and I loved writing. I loved creating stories. I loved telling stories. And I really do, even though I haven't done it in a while. So I was like, how cool would it be to be a character 
in one of these stories, in one of these plays, in one of these movies or whatever, and live vicariously through them and get to explore different sides of your personality and if of who you are. So acting was great and it was easy. And for, um, I was such a method actor. I got so into character. This is kind of dorky, but um, for that minute, that hour, those two hours, whatever it was, the time when I was um, that character, I really, really took on that role. Um, I actually started acting in my speech class at my first high school. I attended a high school freshman and freshman to the beginning of sophomore year of high school. And it was the high school that everyone from my middle school and elementary school went to. It was just like the, the, the closest one where everyone would send their kids to because it was essentially like two streets over. Um, but I did go to that one and I actually had a, a speech class there and I thought, oh, speech, we would just be talking. I never really had a problem speaking in front of a crowd. No big deal. Blah, blah, blah. I think it might have even been a graduation requirement. I'm not sure. But I was like, sure, I'll take speech. Sounds really cool. So I stepped into the speech class and speech, a part of speech was like this competition side. Like there was a competition speech team where you um, kind of act out and interpret works of literature in order to prove a point and that was kind of your speech and um that was kind of like a project we weren't in the professional the com- the competitive speech class but a lot of um but this was like the the class right before you get into that class so the prof the teacher not a professor so the teacher i feel like her name is mrs chung she was really cool so so cool she gave us an assignment to essentially do one of these, like if we were going to a competition and she would score us to kind of see who would go into the team next year and vice versa. Um, and essentially we had to craft this speech that kind of proves a point and does something. And I chose the book Sybil. And if you're not familiar with the story of Sybil, it was, it's the story of this woman who had, I believe, 21 different personalities, but I could be wrong on the number. I'll fact check it later. But she suffered from multi-personality disorder was what it used to be called. Now it's called disassociative personality disorder, um, kind of like the movie Split. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of this before, but she had... She was like, she wasn't only Sybil. Sybil was like the host to these, all these different personalities. And I thought that was so cool. I'm like, if I'm going to act like someone, I want this to be as entertaining and as varied and as cool and interesting and eye-catching as it can be. And I was like, what's cooler than acting out as a person who essentially is like 23, 21 people in one? I thought that was the most fascinating thing. So I got the book. I still own the book. And it's every time I look at it, I think of this and it brings me so much joy. And I created this like written speech and it got processed. And then when it was time for us to perform it, I 
performed every bit of it and it was really cool because I got to switch um to her different personalities and it was a lot of acting and she has two personalities which are male so I even got to be like pretended to be a boy for some time and I loved the speech and one of the best and like most rewarding parts was that at the end of the speech everyone kind of stayed like silent and then I got like a standing ovation which is really really cool and I think I still have my my scorecard and it's like straight fives I feel like fives or tens it's like whatever was perfect and the the teacher was so blown away and I remember feeling so confident and so good about myself and so proud of my performance and that was the first time that I got this um performance high you know, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I get rewarded for lying. People, people like it when I pretend to be someone else. It's good. And that's how my, my love of acting kind of flourished. But, um, that school really didn't have a developed theater program. They had an acting one class. It's just that they had a, an acting teacher who's there for a couple of years, but they had left. And the year that I, um, went into that school is when they had their um their first one their first um, acting class again so I took that drama one class while taking speech I feel like the yeah while taking speech and it was just the best there was it was really really cool and sadly I feel like this might have been sophomore year yeah it was probably sophomore year but I um, sadly had to leave the school because we moved. And then in my new school, they had a phenomenal, well-developed, well-supported theater program, like full musicals, full plays, all the stuff, competition theater. And I was drooling. I was so excited. I had drama one again in the school, like the drama one I was taking was now also and I was just taking it again in this school, and um, I heard they had a competition theater group, and I asked the teacher, "Oh my goodness, how do I how do I join this?" And she's like, "It's audition only, and you can audition at the end of the year." And I was like, "Fine, totally okay," but I made sure that every performance that I had in this um, drama one class was phenomenal. I always tried to work extremely hard to do so much research. I would watch like method acting videos. I would look up so many behind the scenes, the behind the scenes of movies. I would watch the behind behind the scenes of um, Silence of the Lambs and do like character studies and see how the the character of Hannibal Lecter, they kind of, um, they gave him an animal and I thought that was really interesting. I had seen that also happened in the the godfather where they gave marlon brando like a they uh they they kind of um influenced bulldog like characteristics into his character like his character was kind of inspired by a bulldog and they even put um little cotton balls in his mouth so his, so his uh, cheeks would protrude downward and kind of even look like a bulldog and i thought that was really cool and with Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs, his animal in his character study was a 
crocodile. And I thought that was really cool, like a toothy, you know, scary crocodile with sharp moves and someone who's very sharp, very quick. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And I had never heard of that before. So I would do all of these, this method acting research and I would work really, really hard to get into every character, even if it was an improv character. I loved improv. Improv was just like a really fun, cheap thrill for me. And it didn't give me as much satisfaction as actually studying a character and looking into them and practicing for weeks and weeks on end. But it was something really satisfying and funny. And I got to brush up on my humor. I always felt that um, I had a good balance between being a comedic actress and a dramatic actress. Uh, Being a dramatic actress gave me more satisfaction at the end of the day. And I just kind of took myself more seriously when I performed like a more dramatic, darker telling piece. But comedy was really fun and it was a really good way to de-stress and to kind of break up the the seriousness. But um, yeah, that was, that's what I did. And I just worked really hard. And I got into the competition theater troupe and I was there for two years. You know, you re-audition every year and I got in and I competed and I loved it. And I went to state competition and I got really good scores and I, it was so satisfying. It was just phenomenal. But then again, I loved acting because I didn't have to be myself. You know, I know that's like, this sounds really simple, but it's, it's basically like I was, what it was. And I feel like acting kind of let me be real in my personal life because I didn't have to pretend in my personal life. I was just pretending on stage and I had a healthy balance of, okay, Leslie, you got to pretend on stage for a while. And then when you step off that stage, you're Leslie again, you know, you're not, um, someone else, you can, you can be yourself. It's safe. It's fine. You know, you got your healthy dose of therapeutic pretending out of the way. Now, the second you come down that stage, you're Leslie again, and you have your problems, and you have your emotions, and I feel like it was really good for me, and it was really healthy, and I haven't acted in a while, which may be why I kind of feel the way I do now and why I have all of these reservations about opening up to people because I don't have that um, that catharsis anymore. I'm not exercising my pretending side somewhere, so I guess I just do it all the time. I don't know if this is an actual legitimate argument. It's just kind of how I feel and and what I what I can imagine that's been happening to me, but. I mean, everybody kind of wears a mask all the time, right? I feel like we all wear, we, we wear different masks and they start to come off once you get to know people a little more. Like when I worked at Subway, I had my customer service mask all the time. I was like, hey there, welcome to Subway. What can I get you? My name is Leslie. You know, what type of bread would you like? White wheat? <laughs> Italian five cheese, Parmesan oregano, what do you want? Let me know. And I was really nice and peppy and not that I'm not nice and peppy naturally, but you know, you always try to be, you try to hustle for that tip so you smile a little brighter and you know, you're a little nicer than you probably are on your spare time, but you got to do what you got to do. So that was my customer service voice. I was Leslie 
And uh, even at the beginning of this podcast, I wasn't like just my regular normal voice. You know, you kind of have to be chirpy. You have to be peppy. You kind of have to have a voice that ki- that catches your listener's attention. You can't really be monotone all the time or else, you know, you get bored and you're not paying attention and you get distracted. So that's why my voice sounds like this. I'm still being me. I'm still being me. My voice is just a little different because that's kind of the secret of radio. You have to be punchy and sharp. So, but yeah, in Subway, I had my customer service mask and I would be one way with my fellow employees. And then when I was in college, I was, I had my student mask on and I was just, you know, a very good student and I liked studying and I asked my professor questions and I was really interested about the subject we were learning and yada yada blah 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 but in my personal life my deep 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 personal life to the people who you know really really know me I was Leslie just Leslie no customer service Leslie no academic Leslie no Leslie with strangers I was just me, but I wasn't me. I didn't have my, I didn't take off my mask for a lot of people. It's, um, we all wear masks. It's just that some people know when to take theirs off and some just don't like me, you know? I, I struggled to take my, my, my mask off. I, I really struggled to just relax and say, hey, you know, you're not trying to impress anyone. You're not trying to earn a tip here. It's cool. You can let your guard down. You know, you can be somebody. You can be yourself. You don't have to be anybody, you know. You can just be yourself, and that's totally fine. You can be the flawed, imperfect, crazy, weird person that you are. And the world is just going to have to deal with it. And it's, they're just going to have to stomach it because you don't have to impress anybody here. You're not trying to get a letter of recommendation from your professor or get a tip or a good review or whatever. It's just people who are in your life that are in your life because they like you for you. So it really makes no sense for you to start being someone else or act like you're someone else. Um, I'm, I'm someone who gets really anxious at times, like I'm always like out of breath and doing this and moving forward, and, and I feel like my um, brain is on fast forward every single day. So it's very rare that I'm chill. Like I don't, I don't know how to control my anxiety, my anxiety really well. I don't deal well with stress. Parties make me really nervous, really, really nervous, especially if I can sense that. Um, someone might have a stronger personality than me, I kind of shut down and become submissive in a way and like conversationally submissive in the sense that I kind of let them take the light. Not because, I mean, I've never been the natural, the person that's like, I'm going to make this whole conversation about me. I am going to lead this room, have complete control of this room. I'm not a conversationally aggressive person and I I never have been. I have the capability to be, of course, we all do, but I don't, it's not something I gravitate towards naturally. So that just happens to me a lot in, in social settings. 
and I guess, uh, you know, my light kind of dims out and I become digestible and I become a background character, you know? I become a supporting actor in my own life sometimes. I let that happen because for me it's easier than fighting to be in the limelight, fighting to be on top, in charge. I've, I've never been competitive in that way. I don't think I'm a very competitive person overall. Just when I did competitive theater, then I was really, really competitive. And I, I wasn't perfect, you know. I would get my not fantastic score. I'd get, you know, I guess you can call it like a second place type of thing, second best at times. And that would hurt me, you know. I did develop kind of an ego. And while it's very healthy to have, um, while it's very unhealthy to have a huge major ego that completely encompasses you, it's also kind of um, really good to have a bit of an ego, you know, to have some backing to your to your spine, to have some spine, to not be completely spineless. You have to kind of, you know, protect yourself a little bit, a little bit of padding, but not too much and not too little, but just right, just enough padding to um, to overcome tough moments and overcome rejection. Uh, rejection is something I have also struggled with. Everyone's struggled with. It's not like I'm like, oh, here's a confession. I've struggled with rejection. Yeah, newsflash, everyone has. But um, it's the way we come out of that rejection and the way we handle it that makes us stronger people and that makes us better human beings. I used to have a really hard time swallowing down rejection. You know, I've, I've always been the one kind of, not always, but I have been the one to make a first move around boys and I I was so insecure at one point that I would just go for it and I would do it and I'd just make the first move to make the first move because I knew things wouldn't work out and sometimes you know I would get a positive reaction and sometimes I will I wouldn't but That's besides the point. There are other facets of rejection that I didn't have a good, you know, a good time with, like getting B's in college and C's. When I got my first C in college, I cried. I cried like a baby, like the total perfectionist that I had become had just slowly been, you know, cracked, broke the glass on my, you know, perfectionist self. So... Some of these masks that we wear crack really easily, you know, because we don't really, um, we don't really need them there. They're kind of transparent. Some of these, these masks are, um, kind of see-through and you just show yourself right through them. But, um, some masks are very thick very coarse, very opaque, and you start confusing the mask with the person behind the mask. And I've 
that's something that I've had to learn to kind of not do, you know? Because I'm like, I'm not this person. I'm better than that. You know, I have to remind myself, pick myself over again. You can stop pretending. You can stop wearing this this type of Leslie. Take off this this digestible Leslie skin. Be controversial. Share your opinion, you know? Don't say something that's just going to make everyone happy and comfortable. Be the one that asks questions and the one that makes someone a little bit uncomfortable and be daring and don't hold back. That's something, I keep on saying something that I've struggled with, but it is. It is. And I'm I'm not going to be afraid to do that anymore, to hold myself back. I'm going to try to catch myself whenever I find myself doing that because then how do you really get to know a person? You know, even even if that's someone who you're really, really, really scared to kind of open up to. How do you get to know that person? How do you climb this huge mountain? By climbing it, you just do it. You know, you can't be scared to climb the mountain and scared to climb the mountain and then that's it and just walk down. I'm comparing the mountain to getting to know someone. That's a little intimidating, by the way. You just do it. And I, I think I'm, I would be much happier with myself and um, a lot more comfortable if I didn't make myself wear a mask sometimes. Sometimes a mask that I don't even know I'm wearing because it's become, it's like the, um, in the movie, The Mask with Jim Carrey. Sometimes he can't take it off. And that's what it becomes at times. It consumes you so much that you can't take it off and you lose your sense of self. So that's not something that I really want to happen to me again and I really want to catch myself whenever I see myself making my making myself more palatable, more palpable, more digestible to other people. It's just how it is and that's just how I'll be and hopefully you learned a thing or two from this. Take your masks off. It's the world is a lot more comfortable without it. I'm not speaking from experience. I'm ex- speaking as someone who's about to experience this and I'll keep you guys updated on how it goes. But I've had a great time recording this. It got a little deep like all my episodes do, but I hope you guys got a good message out of this and learned a thing or two. So have a fantastic Thursday. Thank you so so much for listening leave a rating, leave something down below, a comment or two. That would be phenomenal. I would really, really appreciate it. Have a fantastic Thursday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.